Hey everyone, the It's All Journalism team wanted to remind you that we have an email newsletter where you can get all the latest news about our podcast. Go to our website, itsalljournalism.com, and follow the link to subscribe. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. I, I, I forgot how loud you are. I'm loud. You're loud. Check, check, check. I'm a little less loud, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's probably good that you don't wear headphones. <laughs> there we go. And there was that episode where I uh, I didn't turn on her microphone. <laughs> but I was loud enough that I came through on other mics. <laughs> She's like, why is my level so low? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah. But, um, um, all right. Megan, Megan volume. Okay. Um I guess this is my podcast, so I should, I should welcome you into it. Welcome to It's All Journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell, your host for the It's All Journalism podcast. I've got something a little special, something that got me actually out of the home studio, i.e. my bedroom with a microphone, <laughs> and uh, back to a place that I used to work but I didn't work at with the woman who uh, helped uh, found our podcast, Megan Clority. Yes. And Hello. Her, and her new par- partner in podcasting, who I just met, Luke Garrett. Hello, hello. Okay, so you may remember that Megan was on the podcast a few years ago with Jack. Jack, I can't believe I blanked on his last name. Jack Moore? Jack Moore. Oh, for 22 hours. For 22 hours. That's right, I forgot about that. Yeah, you remember that? That, that was award before COVID. Winning? I feel like it's like in <laughs> that a incredible podcast. That incredible podcast. Eh. No, it was it was it was fine. It was actually it was very good. It was very good. You can tell we've known each other for a long time when he said that to me. Yeah, yeah. No, she, I'm proud of it, but it does feel like it was a very long time ago now. Well, you know that's the problem with podcasts. You have to keep producing, otherwise you think it's all it's all behind you and it doesn't exist. Which I guess is probably similar to radio, except radio is a kind of a whole different other thing. Mm. Anywho, the reason I trudged on down to WTOP from Fairfax was to talk to you two about a new podcast that you've got going on. Is mm-hmm. it's you launched it a couple of weeks ago? I've been listening to some of the episodes; really impressive stuff. You know, first of all, well, actually, I know Megan. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Luke. Yeah, so I'm I'm Luke Garrett. I'm a co-host of the DMV Download podcast. I came to WTOP. A few years ago as an associate producer and then became a producer. And during that time, I developed another podcast called Is It Normal Yet? where we looked at the pandemic. And that's really, you know, what we did on that podcast. And it was great. It's a weekly podcast and there's plenty to talk about. And that's where I fell in love with podcasting. I had never really done it before. And then, you know, I saw this DMV download idea and was like, let's go, let's do this. Yeah. And, and here we are. Okay. So can you could definitively say where where we're at in COVID at this point? Or is it still <laughs> limping? I mean, for 52 weeks, I tried to answer that question and I never found a good one. You know, we're definitely in a different position now than we were, you know, obviously March of 2020. I think, you know, this post-Omicron phase is notably different just as far as government intervention and medical reality with Paxlovid and the vaccines. But that's as much as I can say. Yeah. It'll, it'll never be normal, you know, no, that's for sure. It's the new normal. So, Megan, yes. um, here you are podcasting again. I know. Were you the person who launched the idea or came up with the idea for DMV Download? Or? You know, we were kicking around the idea, WTOP was, a couple of years ago. After I finished 22 Hours, I was thinking about my next contract and, like, what else can I do that would be interesting and take the skills that I learned from doing 22 Hours and actually, you know, keep using them. So I suggested a weekly podcast, but we just weren't there yet for a number of reasons. And it's funny because it's not like podcasting was new. 
But I think that there was, yeah, it's really old. But I think that there was a misunderstanding maybe or maybe a misconception about having a podcast in a radio station. Like like the idea that they would be competing instead of helping each other. Mm. And so now, you know, time passing and probably more podcasts showing that it can be done and really having the people who were willing to take the project on, WTOP is all in now. All in. And it takes a lot because, first of all, I was an investigative reporter for WTOP, turning daily stories for on air and on the web before getting this. And this is now my full time gig. And Luke was producing and on the desk and like in the thick of it and then doing his his podcast on the side. And now this is his full time gig. So not only have they you know, they've hired us, but they have like we have a budget. Wow. A budget. What? (laughs) And, And just like. I think the biggest concern about it was how is it going to be received in-house? Mm. It takes it takes a village to raise this podcast. And so all of that is like very pleasantly working out. Very it, smooth. It is. And, you know, I was a little bit like, you know, this is a new thing. How's it going to go? But so far, so good. So during my time at Federal News Radio, which is now Federal News Network, I sat in on many meetings talking about podcasting here at Hubbard headquarters in D.C., but also at some of the digital, you know, get-togethers they had with all of the, you know, podcasting people at other radio stations. The station up in Minneapolis-St. Paul mm-hmm. had, had podcasts. They were really forward-thinking in their podcasts. But hearing you say that T.O.P. is behind this, that is a huge change. And I don't mean that as in a, in a criticism. I think it's just sort of them recognizing that this is something that they should be playing in. Well, and, the other thing is it's a daily it's yeah. not it's I mean, that's that's a whole different ball game than doing a weekly yeah. or even, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, even a biweekly. I think it was a resources question. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're pulling me off the air. Not like I'm some great thing, but you're pulling me <laughs> off the air. You're pulling Luke. Luke's Luke's position has to be replaced. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're moving pieces. This thing better work. And I think they also know from the two years or three years that we were podcasting before, they take a while to get off the ground. You're not going to have an immediate, you know, hundreds of thousands of people listening. So I think it was the expectation met the reality as far as resources. And it ended up happening that we as a team brought very different skills and we were both really eager to do it. And I think that also clicked really well for them. Yeah, for sure. The thing with podcasts, you know, a news podcast, I mean, you could figure you could do a podcast about a, you know, like COVID, like, like you did Luke Mm -hmm. or, you know, some other story, but the idea of doing, you know, 25, four hour news station, you know, weather and, and traffic on the fives, that, on the eights. On the eights, pardon me. Excuse I'm, me. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> shows you how long it's been so I listen to it. Anywho, that's such a, a drastically different model because yeah. podcasting goes at a different pace. Mm-hmm. That being said, there is room for, as you're showing, for newsrooms to create daily podcasts, certainly weekly podcasts, that are serving a local audience. You're not necessarily serving all of America or the whole world. Oh, we don't want to. Yeah. Right. I mean- I don't know if you want to respond to this, I just jumped in. Sure, sure. No, I mean, I think every day when we pick a story, when we look at it, we try to determine, you know, how is this impacting local residents? Because that's really who we're trying to talk to and talk about. And that's what's so exciting because there are so many national podcasts and they're fantastic. You know, I personally listen to them. But to have 20 minutes of a place where people are trying to understand the stories and understand the news locally is just an exciting endeavor. I think it's also interesting to give people a different type of product from a trusted news source, mm. right? So they're used to TOP in these sort of quick bite 
fashion where, you know, if you listen to T.O.P. for 20 minutes, you're going to get pretty much everything you need to know. I mean, from a from national, international traffic, weather, business, sports, all of it in 20 minutes because it's so fast paced. This is picking two stories, sometimes three and going deeper on them. So for a WTOP listener who's like, oh, I heard that on WTOP earlier, but I want to know more about that. Oh, I can turn to the podcast and get more on a local story. That's hmm. the idea. And I think the ones that I've listened to, like the one that I listened to on the way over here is one that she posted yesterday. And it was the D.C. reaction to uh, the Roe versus Wade decision leak. Not decision, but, you know, paper. And, I mean, that's giving you context. And that's something you can't give in the, you know, minute by minute news. You, mm-hmm. you just have a clip. You know, this is what's happening. This you should be aware of. And certainly, you know, T.O.P. has a really good website and people can go there and they can read longer stories and interviews from all your reporters. But on the other hand, you know, if T.O.P. wants to own people's ears, they need to get into podcasting. Mm. So there's definitely room for it. So let's talk a little bit about what goes into the production of a podcast every day. Mm, how much? How, how long is this podcast? <laughs> yeah, you, you remember. <laughs> you remember when we used to do podcasts over an hour long. I I mean, to put it very simply, it's really a management of workflow, because if you listen to the daily start here up first, any of the major national morning podcasts, at the end of it, you hear a like, you know, chorus line list of people who are putting it together every day. Yeah. It's Luke and I and our manager who kind of guides us. And when we have like, what the heck do you think we should do this crazy idea? He helps us out. But from the production standpoint, it's just me and Luke. And so it really is, you know, we get in at 930, we publish by 345, 4 o'clock. So we've got to make sure that that time is spent very well. Yeah. (laughs) Otherwise, we will not be publishing and we'll miss deadline. Let's talk a little bit about the Roe vs. Wade podcast episode. because We can point people to that. Yeah. And, you know, I just listened to it. So you get in at 930. This is like everybody in D.C., Who's covering this story? It's like, oh my God, there are you know thousands of people outside the you know the Supreme Court. What does this mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously that's going to be your top story. Well, uh, that's funny you say that because it wasn't. What was your t- because because that was bordering on a national like it's tricky in D.C. and it you know right. this is not news. I mean to anybody who does news in D.C. but it's hard to delineate what's local and what's national and sometimes they're both. But for us, it was like, okay, is this an opportunity to draw attention to? how this would affect us locally. So we weren't really trying to cover the reaction to the leak as much as we were trying to cover, okay, you've heard about the the 26 states that have these trigger laws. You've heard about, you know, on the national level, what this could mean, how big of a deal, and once in a lifetime this has happened in in SCOTUS. But what's the law in D.C.? What happens in Maryland when people from West Virginia are coming there to seek an abortion. Are there going to be changes in Virginia law? I mean, we are trying to drill down using that as a jumping off point. Well, you know, in D.C., it is a very significant story because, you know, Congress. Statehood, right. Yeah, Yeah. statehood. If if Congress turns around, unlike the the rest of the states in, in the country, if Congress decides that it wants to do something to the abortion rights in uh, D.C., you know, they've shown in the past that they have passed laws that have, you know, for example, they've restricted access to clean needles in the, the needle program. And, the you know, the mayor said yesterday that, you know, they know that when that money wasn't available, you know, many, many, many people in D.C. died. And they knew that once that restriction went away, there was like a 99 percent increase in people getting getting help and, and being part of these programs. Mm-hmm. So I see you. Um, <laughs> you wanted to say no. It's just I mean, it's it's D.C.'s plight right now, and hopefully yeah. it changes. That 
national politicians use it as an example for how they would like to see things go forward if it didn't happen in their state or if they want to, you know, push an agenda. And because D.C., you know, has federal oversight, it always has has to have Congress say, yeah, that's okay," Or no, that's not okay." Right. And it is interesting. We brought this up on the podcast yesterday when you're talking about the Supreme Court decision and the idea that they want to kick it back down to the states to decide, well, D.C. doesn't have that that right. So really, I mean, I mean, it's a philosophical question. It's a legal question, all sorts of things. But it is interesting to be in D.C. at this moment when that's the conversation. Oh, go ahead and decide it for yourselves, jurisdictions. Oh, but not you, D.C., because we're going to decide it for you. Right. And we know what happened when, you know, COVID rolled out and suddenly D.C. was being treated differently than all the other states when it came to getting money. Yep. So so again, this is a national story. That's really kind of local. So so what led you to thinking that, OK, we're going to make this our lead story? Was it just because it was too big to ignore? Well, I think the local angle that Megan was speaking to, you know, gave us that indication that, oh, this should be our lead story. But also we had reporters on the ground that were collecting some fantastic sound and that could really bring listeners there. You know, not everyone can make it to the steps of the Supreme Court, but our reporters were. And so we were able to show them the emotion, the political and social firestorm that's coming with the sounds of this protest and these clashes and what people think about this, you know, draft opinion that's really shaking things up. So that was also played into it, that sound of the protest, I think. I also think that in our area, because our area is generally, uh, how do we say this? Smarter. More college degrees. Uh, Liberal? No. Okay. Um, a lot of things I don't know. <laughs> I guess, yeah. More lenient when it comes to abortions in other states and other areas, that when people in our, who live in our area heard that this could happen, they're mm-hmm. thinking, right, but that's going to affect the places where I think are more conservative. It won't really affect our area. That's not true. Yeah. Right. And, and then the other thing, as you rightly said before, I mean, WTPO's audience is not just the district, but it's also the surrounding states. You know, Virginia and Maryland, they've got they give out different issues. But one of the things that Luke said that I, I did really like about the episode I listened to and on some of the other episodes that you've done is, is your ability to use the uh, reporting that TOP is already doing to incorporate sound. It gives a sort of different level of richness into what you're doing and it sort of elevates it as a product. It's not just two talking heads. You, mm. You've got, okay, this is what's going on in the street. And then you very smartly, uh, you contacted somebody to, to interview. Yeah. I mean, we like to bring experts in who know it the best, right? We like to bring the reporters in who were there and to use sound from people in the community. I mean, what a concept. (laughs) Actually hearing the voices of the people who who care about these things. To pull it off to another episode, it was an interesting kind of experiment this week that instead of pulling from TOP, we provided to TOP. And we had uh, Fairfax County Chief Kevin Davis come in for an exclusive interview, sit down. It was a 50-minute interview, which was very long. And we had to, you know, chop that down to size. But he broke news on our podcast, and then we were able to put that on TOP. So we're hoping that this kind of becomes something where it's a symbiotic relationship as opposed to just us you know, borrowing from their sound and their talent. The thing about this episode, you also had a second story, which tonally was very different. Yeah. Yes. Big time. It was yeah. about ticks. It was about ticks. And so we went from the Supreme Court and to possibly ticks. a spider. Palm-sized yeah. spider. A palm si- so, yeah, a palm-sized. So... Was that a deliberate choice or was that a story you knew you were going to be covering? Okay, so let's get the idea out of our heads that we ever know what we're going to be covering because <laughs> it's a daily podcast. So we come in and, you know, it's sort of a white knuckle, a couple of 
you know, hours until we figure it out. Essentially, you're just taking the most interesting stories of the day. And sometimes those stories go together and sometimes they really don't. So in that case, we thought it was really cool and weird and scientific and something that would be a talker. And honestly, I mean, a little bit lighter than the heaviness of the conversation around the legality of abortion and, you know, how it breaks down oh, for state sure. by state. I mean, it kind of it gives you a little bit of a mental break. And it's also kind of interesting from from a local perspective is there's this tick apparently that if it bites you, you could develop an allergy to red meat. That was the story. But it does go to our decision to really pick two stories. You know, I think when we were thinking and crafting this idea of this show, it was like, oh, do we do one story? Do we do five? It's just you doing know, but... 60 minutes every day. <laughs> right, That's right, exactly. You have, to, you have to call so it at some like, point. So we're like, you know, we want more than one, but we can't do eight. So two, <laughs> you know, I think is what we settled on. And I'm glad we did because I think it gives enough. It gives more than one story. You, you hear about your community more. You know, you don't focus on D.C. or, you know, Virginia or Maryland. You can get, you know, a rounder story. Mm-hmm. It's funny, though, because at T.O.P., so I have, as a reporter, I had a 40 seconds from, oh, yeah. I mean, from lead to the end of, end of the piece to tell the story. Yeah. So when they told me that we could have this podcast and it's relatively they wanted about 20 minutes long, you know, content dictating, but around 20 minutes long. I was like, oh, my God, it's so much time. And it is so much time compared to WTOP stories. But, no, but you've never listened to yourself talk. That's true. That is. Well, no, that's not true. I have on, on tape. Oh, I anyways. forgot. I had to edit myself a lot. But my point being is that even though we have more time, we learn very quickly. We have to be very curative with the questions that we ask so that you're not ending up with a 15-minute interview to cut down when you only have an hour, right? I mean, yeah. so so not only is it production on the back end, but it's really pre-production and thinking about what do we want to get to right away? What's the question that gets to the heart of this and really gets us into the conversation? Yeah. That goes back to what you said at the very beginning. Podcasting is all about time management. Like, you know, setting some limits for, for yourself. You're both news reporters. You, you understand what makes a good story. You know, you're going to be able to use that muscle in your head to identify the thing that's going to be the subject of what you're going to do. And then... You know, the more you do this, the quicker it's going to be for you to, okay, well, who do we need to talk to? Mm-hmm. What does it need to sound like? So speaking of sound, I mean, you know, I did mention before that you were able to pull audio from, you know, some of the reporters. I mean, when you started out, did you have an idea when I listened to DMV download, this is what I want it to sound like? So they gave us an inordinate amount of time to prepare for this project, which is also surprising. <laughs> Along with the money, this is also – not that T.O.P. wouldn't do that, but it's just funny when you think of a podcast. I mean, Michael and I started It's All Journalism in 2013, working on the weekends and, like, borrowing a studio, making oh, yeah. no money. With Jolie Lee. Yeah. With Jolie Lee. So I guess it's my idea of podcasting. I'm like, oh, it's this extra thing I do that I don't get paid for. So now I get paid for it, which is pretty great. But – yeah, no, we didn't know what we were going to do. And so they gave us time to kind of put together a format and they didn't know what they wanted either. Like Luke said, are we going to do one story? Are we going to do two? Are we going to do eight? Do we do an in-episode sort of promo, which we decided to do, is to kind of get people to that second topic to let them know it's coming? Mm-hmm. Where do we show personality? If we're going to be, right. you know, it's a very yes. capital J journalism straight podcast. I'm not like surmising different endings to <laughs> to news stories or anything in the middle of it. So at the end, we decided, okay, let's like carve out a tiny bit of time to talk about what's going on in our lives or something yeah. funny that happened in the newsroom or something interesting. Right. Or, you know, what happened at the National Zoo today that's ridiculous or whatever it is. And then we have that time. So it took us about, what do you, a month or so? Yeah, two, three, kind of four weeks. Yeah. yeah. And then hone it. I mean, we had to think about what would really capture people. You know, people are giving us 15, 
17, 20 minutes of their day. I mean, that's a valuable chunk of time. So how do we really meet them there and, and make give them a valuable show? I think tweaking that, honing in on that was was important. And I think the idea of, you know, reserving some space for you to breathe and to incorporate your personalities, it's just going to benefit you in so many ways. I mean, that's the thing that people are going to want to connect with mm. because they can always listen to the news. But the strength of podcasting is is that relationship between the person who's talking in your head. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes people want to know a little about you. They want to know, you know, what's going on at the beach or, you know, whatever. <laughs> it was um, great. It was great. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I'm glad to see that you put a little thought ahead of time because all I seemed to see <laughs> for that first month were pictures of the two of you and, oh, here's some swag. Well, yeah, well, the trouble with it was, <laughs> oh I mean, God. there was a double-edged sword because we had this time to prepare. But then they were like, well, we want you to, you know, share it and like get it out there and spread the word. And we're like, there's nothing to spread yet. Every we have day. no content. So it was a lot of selfies. A lot of we selfies. We got good at selfies. Yeah. Yeah. We're um, selfie pros. Yeah. Well, you, you also have, I mean, it was, there are a couple of things that you have that other people who are starting out podcasts are not going to have. One, you have a platform. You have TOP that's going to be able to push that out for you both on the website and on the radio. Mm-hmm. And you're, you've also got an audience that's accustomed to listening to TOP. They're familiar with the product as a radio piece. But- you know, you've also got, you know, the freedom to go lots of different ways. And you started out with a, having a commercial. And did oh, my that, gosh, I know. That was unreal. A, is it a sponsor? Is it a commercial spot? We got sponsored, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got a sponsor. Well, good for you. I know. I Yeah, I know. I'm it very was incredible. happy. We're yeah. very happy with the Steamfitters Local 602 yes. and everything that they've done for us. We have. I mean, seriously, because it, it gives you a little bit of... Hmm. Stability. I mean, not that T.O.P. was going to put any pressure on us right away, but I feel like whatever we were asking for, a little mic tweak here or whatever we needed when we were setting up, you felt a little bit like, oh, I can ask for this. It's okay. Like We have a little bit of a backing here. Yeah. Yeah. Because the T.O.P. is not just a news station. It's also part of a corporation. And at some point, there's some somebody's going to want to look at a bottom line of something is should we really be dedicating the resources to this? And the the fact that you, you have a sponsor. That also is an entree for the the marketing and for the the sales team to say we've got a product we can sell we've got a product we can promote. Mm-hmm. So you I know mean, what else it keeps away what? having to like voice like you know nothing against purple mattress but purple mattress <laughs> in the middle of your podcast or whatever this is the hot oh, new. You had some really interesting commercials for twenty two hours if I remember. Yeah, which was <laughs> which which makes it weird because when you're a journalist you can't do endorsements right. and so. I was uncomfortable with a lot of the language that they had mm. sent me to voice on these things. So mm-hmm. we had to rewrite the commercials, which is like, where's that time coming from? And then voice them and whatever. So that was like another thing we didn't need. Plus, we don't have to add when you're uploading a podcast, as most of your listeners know, you have to select, you know, are you going to insert ads or not? And we get to say no. Right. Which mm. makes it a cleaner listen, I think, for all of our subscribers. For sure. Okay. So. You've identified your two subjects. You've been able to get audio and clips from your reporters. You've, you've done your interviews. You've recorded your interviews. <laughs> Who's putting all the pieces together? I like it that you think it's a linear process. That's it. Well, that's well it's not. I know that. I know this isn't. <laughs> well, because so, sometimes, so basically, we do two passes on each piece of audio we get. So mm-hmm. say I interview you, Michael, and then, well, we both interview everybody, but I'll take the first pass, meaning I'm going through listening to what's the most important stuff, you know, taking out double speaks, ums and ahs sometimes, mm-hmm. cleaning it up a little bit and making sure the content, you know, heaven forbid you and I would go on a tangent. I know that would never happen. <laughs> but taking things out that you don't necessarily need that get away from the topic of the the interview. And then when I'm done, I save it. And at some point, Luke takes a second pass through it. 
And while Megan's doing the pass on y'all's interview, we've interviewed someone else, and I'm doing my first pass during that same time. So it's simultaneous editing and then switching and then project building. And so I think there's never a moment where n- neither of us are working on anything. Yeah. It's a continuous, like, churning just when's workflow. When's your drop dead on the, the podcast audio? That we have to have it downloaded and, like, ready to go? Well, Mixed down? yeah. Like, Three forty-five, four o'clock. Three forty-five, okay. yeah. But okay. I mean, you also have to remember that we have to script certain parts of it. We have to script the tease ahead of the ad break, the intro, the, a little bit of the outro. So all of that has to get recorded every day. Yeah. So it's funny because I don't think we've had one day that has gone similar to the last. Sometimes the interviews come in right away, and yeah. we have all of the rest of the day to edit and tweak and do the the scripted stuff. Sometimes the interviews aren't coming in until like today, yep. one thirty. So we're trying to get as much stuff in as we can beforehand. And then really devote the time we have left to the audio. Yeah. Right. Well, cool. So how do you feel about this? You've been doing it for a couple of weeks. You feeling better about it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like a day like today, like Megan mentioned, you know, we had a later interview, but we knew what to do before. And so, you know, we were able to publish like well before, you know, 4 p.m., which was fantastic. And then also, you know, I think we're getting better and better at crafting shows that bring some understanding, and that's just all we want to do. So it's exciting. I mean, every day is exciting because it's known so new, and I think we're making really good stuff. Like, people who listen, I think, are learning things, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, he's very optimistic. That's true. Which I love about him. <laughs> no, I mean, I think there was a little bit of a, a hair-on-fire situation in the beginning because you're just trying to make that deadline. And then we didn't want to put out a product that it was like, okay, it's done, not, okay, it's great and it's done. And so I think we're getting better at throughout the day, making editorial calls, whether it's, eh, we should cut that question, or maybe we should ask her to rephrase that, because I'm hearing that right now, and that didn't make sense. So, can like, ask it again. I mean, kind of editing as you go, so that you end up with a better product that you're mixing down at the end of the day. What advice would you give to a newsroom, or even anybody just wanting to start a podcast? What would you say to other newsrooms, maybe radio, or maybe even, you know, regular newsrooms? I think as far as podcasts go and the melding of a podcast in a newsroom, a newsroom holds so much potential. Every reporter knows so much information and has the ability to tell a story. And so a podcast is just time for them to say it in how they want to say it, which is conversationally and you know from themselves. And I think it's a great opportunity for any newsroom to introduce a podcast like that where you're talking about the news. Yeah, that's what I think. I think that, you first of all, everybody who's involved in the project has to be excited about it eager about it because it's a lot of work. I mean, we all know that already. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I mean, you might not get a pee break kind of work. Um, but <laughs> but I also think that it provides an opportunity for the journalism you're doing to reach a different audience. And it provides your reporters and your anchors and your web writers a new place where they can say, hey, I, this is what I put on the web or this is what I put on the air, but I have more. And this is what I have. And this is who I talk to. And here's the sound from that person. And this is why I think that's cool. And there's an audience for that, especially if you have an established newsroom that people trust the product you're putting out. So I think that a lot of times newsrooms traditionally are scared to like, can we, A, can we handle this? I mean, can we handle the resources of it and just the the amount of work that's going to take? But is our newsroom going to be on board? Right. I mean, that's the bigger question, because I think the listeners and your readers or whoever you have as as your consumer will come. But when we pitched it inside and I think it helped that that Luke and I worked here previously before taking on this project, it was like, hey, Kate Ryan. Hey, John Doman. I mean, our reporters who who work every day. Tell me more about that story you did. Mm. And at first they're like, "Eh, "Okay, like I'll meet you in there. 
And then once they have the opportunity to do it, I think they like it. Right. I don't want to speak for them. I feel bad. But my impression is that they like it because it gives them the opportunity to say more about their work. Yeah. That's actually the the wonderful thing about doing a podcast as opposed to what we were saying before about the the way stories are written for the type of um, news that T.O.P. does. Mm-hmm. You have more time for context, more time for conversations. As you said, there's an audience for that. You know, I think uh, I'm done. We've done what we, we set out to do. Check. Luke, <laughs> Luke and Megan, thank you for letting me come in. I'm really excited to see this happening. You know, I think you're on a great track here, and I'm expecting good things from you. You know what I have to say, though? I would really love if your listeners, because who are all people who appreciate journalism podcasts, would give us feedback because honestly, mm. this thing is, I mean, I feel like I'm shaping like Play-Doh every day. You know what I mean? Like there's a different way we can do it. There's tweaks we can make and we want to get better. I mean, hearing from other journalists to me is like the top. as a, 100%. <laughs> the top of the top kind of feedback that I can get. And Michael, you've been so helpful as well as we were kind of putting this thing together. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. I was just looking to help help out a friend who I thought was on the right track, but just needed just a suggestion or yeah, two. Yeah, no, it was really, it was great. It was a great suggestion. I don't know. I and think yet it Luke better. is still here. I, <laughs> I see. So anyway, thanks for letting me come in. Yeah. Thanks for, for having us on your podcast. We're very excited about this project and we'd love to update you, you know. Oh, sure. In Hopefully. Knock on wood when we still have this thing and it's super successful. In in your 500th episode. Yeah, exactly. There we go. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter. You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere good podcasts are found. If you'd like to help us grow our podcast, like and share our episodes on social media. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Capre wrote our theme music. Emilio Brust helped with our booking. Steph Thomas is our social media manager. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening.